Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Their pitch is a women's football podcast in collaboration with Adidas. Recently, Adidas, together with the Swedish Football Federation, launched Sweden's new match shirt ahead of the UEFA Women's Euro 2022 in England. Together with the church, they published a guide called How to Stop Sweden. And this is a Bible for football nerds out there. And if you want to learn more about the Swedish national team and the players, I suggest you take a closer look at it on howtostopsweden.com. Football analysis is fun and this guide might bring you new knowledge about your favorite player in the Swedish national team. Hi guys, I'm gonna have to start by saying sorry in advance for the sound quality in this episode. The Wi-Fi in the Czech Republic wasn't the best, and I can tell you, the struggle was real. But the quality of what is being said hopefully makes it worth listening to anyway. This week's their pitch player is Sara Björk Gunnarsdottir. She's the captain of Iceland, and she's a midfielder in Lyon. Since leaving Iceland, Sara has played in Sweden and Germany before she went to France. She has represented top teams across these leagues, such as FC Rosengård and VFL Wolfsburg. Björk Gunnarsdottir has, when I record this, made 138 caps for Iceland, and she made her debut back in 2007. You are listening to their pitch, and this is the Sara Björk Gunnarsdottir episode. You have to be you have to be more harsh when you say it. So it's like Sara Björk Gunnarsdóttir. Do you want me to try? Yeah. Sara Björk Gunnarsdóttir. Much better. Welcome back to a new episode of the Euro Special. We're here with Icelandic national team player Sora Björk Gunnarsdóttir. How are you doing today? I'm good today. Uh, had a good training session in the morning. Do you hear the vacuum? Just a, just a little. I could hear it a little, but it's okay. Okay. Uh, I had a good training session, treatments, and uh, interview. And I went to the shopping mall, bought a little bit for my son. Yeah, and now I have a podcast with you guys. So, good day. Awesome. Is he enjoying his first... Is it his first national team camp? No, he's with his father at the moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, he's not with you at the camp? No, not with me no. at the camp. We actually, well, we actually have a contract with the national team where we are allowed to take our kids with, um, and the federation would pay for you know, you know, my my boyfriend or my mother to come, and so. But we decided that he will stay in France with his father in this camp. So maybe okay. next camp he will join us. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. And that's actually a really good deal that they would pay for, like the partner or your mom to come and 
have the kid with you yeah. as well. I think it's just something that should be done. You know, I don't think it's a good deal or anything. I just think it's something that, you know, uh, federations or teams have to consider nowadays. For sure. And we drop, an, we drop a new episode every Tuesday and usually start off with um, somebody that knows you very well, who then um, kind of just describes you and then you have to guess who it is. Sara is without a doubt one of the strongest people I've ever met. The tenacity and resilience she's shown in more recent times to have baby Ragnar and then return to play in an exceptionally quick time tells you everything you need to know about her. Her mental and physical strength is unbelievable. She's a trailblazer and she's showing the world how to be a mother and a footballer at the highest level. What a woman. Sora is Sora, my Raji. You inspire me and I'm incredibly proud to call you my friend. We have memories to last a lifetime, but Jesse J in Hamburg and our dinner at Tandur are two of the standout two that Mary, stand out the Mary most. Herbs. Mary Herbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Do you want me to read no, the rest? Good. Yeah, yeah, read the rest. I want to hear good <laughs> things about me. <laughs> two that stand out the most when i think of our friendship but let's not tell the world the world about the last one haha ha. you're one of a kind lots of love from the original ratchy oh you got that immediately sweet i got that immediately when you said ratchy it's uh and tandoor it's uh yeah i knew what oh, happened I over there her. that you shouldn't tell the world about yeah i can't yeah. tell you know it's just between me and her it's a secret. Sorry, secret between and two gonna, Reggies. The way you're going to grill Johan after this, whenever we get Mary on here, we're going to grill her about that. See if she, <laughs> see if she will leak it. Yeah, um, she will never leak it. Uh, she probably won't. So we want to get to know you. So do you remember your first time being called up to the national team? Yeah, I remember being first time called up. Ooh, I was uh, probably around... 16, 17. And then the coach called me and I was actually playing in the first league. So not in the, the main league. And then we have the first and second and third. Oh no, not the third league. And um, I was playing in the first league. Uh, so I recently came out of injuries. Nobody really knew who I was. Um, so I was quite surprised for many people that he picked me. I was surprised myself, but I was uh, playing good with my team. Yeah, so he uh, called me up and asked me if I that I uh, was chosen to be in the squad, and obviously super super excited after a, after after a long journey and a long uh, injury, uh, two years injured. But yeah, it was a um, proud moment for me. Do you like? Do you remember when you made your debut as well? Yeah, it was uh, my first game. Was uh, we were playing the qualification for the Euros? I remember, and uh, we played against Slovakia, Slovenia or Slovakia? Slovenia, yeah. Uh, Slovenia, yeah, exactly. I said that Slovenia, um, <laughs> yeah. and I was coming in around maybe eighteen minutes or something, um, and we uh, we actually lost that game two one. It was quite shocking. Um, after how we're gonna how we were doing in the in the group and uh, but I remember coming in super nervous just want to I just thought about like running the whole time and 
And the only thing coach told me is like, try to go in and score. Nothing tactical, anything, just, you know. Um, so my heart rate was probably 250. And then, but it was, it was a good feeling, you know, making my debut. But you didn't score that game. No, I didn't score, but I ran my lungs out. <laughs> yeah, that's what counts that you try always. Um, yeah. So with what you know today as a professional footballer and one of the big stars of the Icelandic national team, what do you think you would have told the younger version of yourself back then? Do you have any advice for her? I think it's just really important when you come into the national team that you come in with confidence, like not not arrogance, but you come in confident you, that you, you are yourself from the beginning, that you are not, um, you're not afraid or you don't feel like you are not good enough for, uh, especially for a player like me coming from the first league and not many people who knew me that you don't really have a status or a name and, and uh, just, you know, you're picked for a reason, you know, and you know what you're good at and just, you know, don't waste any time. Just uh, bring your qualities out from the beginning um, and then just be ready to learn, you know, learn from the experienced ones and uh, you, you, will have, uh, you will have a shitty game or shitty uh, training. But, you know, use everything like um, uh, experience and something to learn from. And the, therefore, you, you will grow, you will learn and you will gain some experience on your own. So probably, probably that. Is it hard to have that confidence coming in as a newcomer to a squad? Did you ever feel like you had a lack of confidence going in when you were younger? No, I, I went really like fully confident, like that, you know, you have to use the time you have, you know, there's only, you know, many times you pick and you're, you don't want any regrets. You want to give it everything. And yeah, I felt I knew that he was picking me for a reason and uh, I wanted to show myself right away. And I was saying that I went in and just tackled the, uh, the best player or like I, I respected them, but on the pitch, you know, I was like, no, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to take your spot if it's, if it's like that, you know? Um, so I was really actually confident uh, uh, in my abilities and what I could do and what kind of type of player I was. Um, but I was also, I was also respectful. I wanted to learn and I wanted to be better and I was never satisfied. And that's the difference of coming in with confidence and arrogance that I was really confident, but also really, really willing to, um, you know, learn a lot. Are there any differences between the player that you were back then compared to the player that you are now or even similarities? Yeah, I think I always stuck to my character in a way. You know, I was always really aggressive. I was running a lot, but I think I get, got more like, you know, technical-wise, I got better. Uh, I got better vision. I got more experience um, reading the game differently, you know, playing with... Just playing with uh, one of the best players in the world uh, on training and in games, you know, it just makes you realize there's a lot to learn. And that's something like I could take from them or something I could pick on. And uh, like I said, just trying to um, develop my um, my abilities to be a better footballer. And, and this is obviously I've seen some progress for sure. Uh, I'm more... I'm more 
calmer in a way, like with the ball. I'm not as stressed. I'm not as like high up. And I'm, yeah, but I, I, I've learned a lot and I've developed, developed a lot as a player. Um, and that just comes with, you know, change environment and, and playing with uh, among the best and learning from them. Um, I think also during my career, I also at some point, especially in Sweden, when I was going from Iceland, you know, feeling like I needed a new challenge, a new environment to get better, that going into where, to an environment where you're not really the, the best anymore, you know, you just, um, you see players, you know, that are much more skillful, skillful than you. They're much more faster. Uh, and at, at one point I felt like, no, I need to, I need to be like that. Um, but then when you are, along in my career I, I felt like no it's not like that because you have your own ability you have your own strength that you should always focus on and that wasn't that you know it's it was more like my mentality my my presence um what kind of character or what what, what I give to the team is is different from what other gives maybe a player who's super fast with who could triple five and score you know and um I realized that we need different kind of characters in the team and I will be someone that's extra special in my way who obviously want to improve you want to get better but I think the main focus is to believe in your abilities or what you are good at and focus on that um, and focus on that you are going to be best in that and that will you know make you different yeah I think that's really interesting and another thing that's that's interesting to to me at least is that you were called up when you were 16, 17, right? Yeah. You were, you said you were playing in like the first division, like not the highest league, but like the one right underneath it. Yeah. So for your development as a player, what has, what has the net, what has the Icelandic national team meant to you as a player? Um, I think just like being a part of it from, such a young age and uh, being a part of the making history, you know, for the uh, being in the team that uh, first quali- qualified for um, for the Euros and, you know, for women and men, you know, for the Federation, it was a big thing. And for me also that, you know, just going into a big tournament like that, coming from small Iceland, uh, going into the tournament, playing against Germany, playing against France, you know, Norway, you know, my first tournament. And it's, you know, you can see, you know, you're on the big stadiums. We don't have stadiums like that in Iceland. And it's just like the experience. You, you felt like I, this is what I want. You know, I want to play against the best. I want to, um, you know, be among the best. And I want to play in these kind of stadiums. But I, I never imagined that women for, women's soccer would develop so much in, you know, in the last, you know, since I played 13 years, you know, it's crazy. And it's, uh, um, but the national team just gave me like, first of all, you're just in the national team. You're really proud. We're a really proud nation uh, playing for Iceland. And in every competition we take it uh, in that way that we just want to win everything. And uh, I know we always in a way underdogs, but we have this, you know, biggest desire to, you know, beat everybody and be the best. Um, so it has, has it done a lot for me and, uh, and also just playing among, 
the players here in Iceland, the, team, the Icelandic team, you know, there's a lot of role models, a lot of great athletes that, you know, you uh, are inspired by and um, you looked up to and you also want to, you can see, you know, the old, the, when I came in, the older generation was, you know, you could see them going professional that then you want to follow. Um, I think also the national team has done a lot for me, but also being a part of the national team and doing a lot for the young girls, the girls who are young today, you know, it's a, it's a big thing. You talk about making it to the historic Euros tournament. That was in 2009, right? 2009 in Finland, yeah. Yeah. And this summer you're going to play your fourth Euros. Yeah. How's, how's that feeling going into that? And what was your reaction to the group that you guys got, like, that you guys got? I mean, it's always just qualifying for, for you know, so every, every, every dream football is to play in this tournament. And it's always special and it's always different every, every tournament. And um, it's even every year it's more fun to qualify because it's it's getting bigger and bigger and the teams are getting better and it's more pressure there's better facilities there's more audience there's more respect towards women football and what what do you say about your group that you guys got yeah the group um i think france is uh, obviously the favorite in the group um i think um, Italy, Belgium also are really strong. Uh, they developed a lot over over the years. They are really strong players, so it's it's a tough if a, it's a tough um, tough group for us. But to be honest, I we have never had so many. Our group is really like special today and really good and strong. Um, I have much confidence in, in in the squad. I think we have never had so many. Um, players playing in a, such a good leagues and playing professional. So this is what gives the team really much confidence. And uh, I haven't been in the, in, in the team. It's my first uh, camp since I, you know, got pregnant and it's, uh, you can see the confidence in the group. You can see they've been playing good and, you know, everybody's excited for the Euros. Everybody's in top shape with their, with their, um, with their teams and it's just uh, a moment to come in it's it's nice to see and nice to be a part of ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You speak a lot about how how women's football has developed early in a question that you answered um, before this one. And what do you think the Euros 2022 will mean for women's football? I think it will it will mean a lot. You know, it's. Um, it, you know, it's in England, you know, in Iceland, we are grown up like watching Premier League, you know, on the big stadiums and the big teams. It will mean a lot. Uh, it's going to be a different, whole different dynamic and the environment is going to be uh, insane. Um, I'm uh, I'm actually quite, I'm a little bit disappointed with some of the stadium we uh, we got. 
because it's it's shocking. You know, you play in England, you have the you have so many stadiums, and we have a training ground from City. You know, taking what four thousand was it four is it four thousand spectators? And yeah. some 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 stage some some venues are taking much less than some of the bigger ones. So I don't know how they thought of yeah, that. Yeah, it's I think it's around four thousand, five thousand, and then it's five thousand in Rotterdam. It's just it's just embarrassing, you know. It's not the respect that what like what women football today, you know, they're filling out the stadiums. You know, you can see Barcelona, Real Madrid. We have ninety five thousand watching the game. You know, just that they are not pre- prepared for that, you know, that we are, you know, we will sell more tickets than 4,000. It, it's disrespectful towards women football at this stage because it's so much bigger than people think, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, and it's always like you, you think you are like women's football getting like two steps ahead, but then it's like, you know, something, something comes up like that. It's just like, takes a step back and, but but there will be games in the big stadiums, and I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to be full, you know, sold sold out. Um, and uh, like I said, after every tournament, there's a you know the women football is just exploding. You know, it's it's getting getting their respect that um, that the they, that the football deserves. Um, there's there's more there's more money in women football now. Uh, there's more investment. Um, you know, it's getting better. It's getting in the right di- right direction. The development is just fast for sure. Uh, but there's obviously a, a lot of other things that uh, needs needs to improve. Do you think they just uh, just a follow up question? Because I don't think this would ever happen in the men's game that they would put a game in a, in an arena with four thousand people. That would that would never happen. Why do you think they think that it's okay to do that when it comes to women's games? Yeah, I would love to know that answer. I just don't know what's going on in their head or if they're even following women football, you know. It's just like if you because if you would, it's just like a common sense, you know, it's just like just follow up women football today, you know. It's um it's exploding. It's it's getting so much better and it's just like I don't know. It's just stupid to speak about it because it doesn't even make sense. It's frustrating, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, just That's only uh, probably there probably gonna, would come like twenty thousand Icelandic people from Iceland watching the game. Yeah. You know, it's just like so. It was. I mean, family members struggling uh, getting tickets. You know, because of uh, and you know they just. You know, as soon as it opened for ticket sales, it just like um, just flew, just sold out. Do you think they might switch some of these games to bigger arenas? I mean, they should. They should hundred uh, re- percent reconsider it because I think the reaction and they just see like how fast the tickets are going and how popular it is uh, that they have to re- reconsider their decision. We want to go back just a little bit. We're gonna. Go back to 2008. Do you remember what happened that year? March 7th, to be more specific. 2008, March 7th. I was 17. Iceland played against uh, Ireland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we... Uh, no, Ireland. Yeah, we qualified for then. Yeah. It's the first time oh. we qualified, yeah. Yeah. 
probably. Do you remember what else happened that game? It's a long time ago. <laughs> you want you want a hit? Yeah, I want a hit. Uh, well, it involves a net, the back of a net, and your foot hitting a ball that ended up in the back of the net. Okay, so one of my goals. It was your first goal with the national it? team. Yeah. Okay. Didn't know that, actually. Have we forgotten about that? So many has come after that. It's just one of those. Not so many. Like, I would have wanted to score more goals, but it's it's nice to have that have that date, though. Yeah. March so 7th. I've just, been, just played so many games. I just feel like I'm so old not remembering this. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Um, what's what's your best memory with the Iceland's national team? We can we can delete March seventh, two thousand and eight, because we don't remember that. But we can take some. No, it wasn't that special actually. <laughs> no, I, I I have to say I have to say you know first qualifying uh, to the Euros hundred um, percent. But that was probably if I have a right against Ukraine. Do you have it? I. Don't have on, it. On, it because we played on like ice. The the stadium was just like completely like you couldn't you couldn't run. It was just like playing on ice. That's terrible. Yeah, but we won, so we were happy. It was crazy <laughs> that the referee um, allowed that game to continue. Uh, yep. But um, but that would be uh, one of the biggest memories with the national team, and also. In 2013, when we played in Sweden, and we um, and we went to what quarterfinals? Yeah, yeah, the Euros. Yeah, Euros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that the furthest you guys have gone in a Euros competition? Yeah, and then we actually played Sweden and lost five zero or something. So, yep, that would be the two. Most memorable moments, I think. Those are pretty good memories. But growing up, like playing football, uh, who in your life has influenced you the most as like a footballer? So, like my my parents are always been like my biggest fans, and they they still are today. And my, you know, and my fan, my brother, and my brother actually don't watch so much football; just watch me when I play, and he says I'm good when I score. So I try to score in every game, but. No, my parents has been watching me since I was went to my first training at five, six years old. Um, and they just, uh, every time I just looked on, you know, if I did something good, I just looked on the sideline if they saw it, you know. It was just like, I didn't have any women role models when I was growing up. I mean, I had uh, David Beckham, I had, you know, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes on my on my wall and then then for women I had remember having Britney Spears or Jennifer Lopez or Destiny Child on my wall you know together with the men's footballers um, so I didn't have any had any like football role model I had like when I was growing up but my parents were always something that I wanted to make proud and I wanted to show them that I, I, will, I will go far so they always really like yeah they they influenced me the most and also just you know my dad was a footballer but I couldn't I I, I was like he quit before I was I was born 
and uh, but just how how they deal with everything in life and how they work and how how much they you know their like um, uh, values and how they deal with everything is just inspiring for me and I put that in my football you know how like they're hard working they have to work for everything they have and um, this is something I took into my um play like play of football you know how I would play so yeah my parents for sure we end the first segment on that and go over to Mia and the tactical analysis so let's uh, hit it right on uh, why are you a midfielder uh why am I a midfielder um I actually I played my first season in, in Rosengard as a forward I was uh No, I was. I think I'm a midfielder because I'm just like um, good physical status. You know, I'm I could run a lot and I have a lot of presence. Yeah, it's a hard of the field, and I, um, in a way, I've always been like a big character with a, a lot of presence. Um, and I, the coaches have just, you know, just put me on the midfield, um, um, and then. I mean, I am good defensively and I'm also, I'm good in the box. So like a box to box, um, I think that's my the best position. But yeah, just develop it as a midfielder through the, through my career. I mean, playing as a midfielder, you can have a lot of roles and position across the midfield. Do you think when you started uh, playing a midfielder, was the demands um, different back then from what it is now? Yeah, I think it's like... Um, As a midfielder, at some point, I felt like you were just like because today I feel like there's more like tactically wise. It depends how you how you play. You know, if you play with a you know two sixes or two eights, uh, one six and two eights in front, and it's it it depends a lot of like um, structure, and it's like um, it demands a lot of cre- create um, no, what's it called? Yeah, creativity. Creativity, yeah. And um, and just putting you know different kind of midfielders on the midfield. It, it, I think it's a, a good combination: creative players, and then you have more like balanced holding holding midfield. And uh, I think it's a good dynamic to have different kind of uh, midfielders. Uh, and then it all depends who you're playing against and to what tactic you're playing. Um, So it, I think it for sure developed a lot because I think tactically wise, uh, just football develops, you know, and you can see that through the years it's uh, it developed a lot. So there's more creativity in how the midfielders are playing. How do you prefer to play as a midfielder? Then do you prefer to play with two sixes or like what? What's your Favorites, yeah. I would, which when when the one six is holding more and the other one is more, you know, uh, free in a way, in a way box to box, but just trying to find the space what's what's open. And for me, it's always how the other appointment is, opponent is playing. You know, you can see where's the space. Okay, maybe we have to change in the middle of the game, and that, I think that's something maybe is lacking that you have to change in the middle. You don't have to wait until half time. You can change. Tactically wise, if you if you know if you're smart, you know okay the po- the opponent can change you know um, 
really soon and then you have to you have to think okay where's the space where can I get the ball how should I defend what's the best way to put pressure and it's um you, you said before like you're you might play as midfielder because of your physical strength and as a part of, of that do you still uh, up to this day work uh, work on your tactical aspects as mu- much as your physical physical aspects in the game yeah yeah for sure when i also just watch when i'm in the game and when i watch the game i watch a game um if you're watching them from the obviously it's different when you watch from the bench or in the stands it's you can you see it quite clear you know I was like, why, why wouldn't we put, when we have two sixes, why would we put two high up and one holding? Because they're playing like that. So, you know, through the years, you start to, you know, develop a little bit more tactically. You know, you try, you understand the football more and, and what would be the best for the team at that moment or in the game. So probably thinking more tactical than, than physical. You know, it's also tactical. Tactical-wise, it's also smart way of thinking. You know, you don't to be always physical. You can be always physical or fast, or you can have a lot of dribbling skills. But you know, you need you need to balance it out with a good tactical sense. You know, so so uh, in which tactical aspect do you feel like you've grown or learned the most during your career? Like how I how how I read the game as a midfielder now. Yeah, you can you can yeah exactly. Yeah, it was just like I said before. It's um, I think it's it's always interesting when you have like a meeting before the game. It's uh, for me interesting to see if the coach have also the sense of a tactical uh, because it's always different who you're playing and how can you use the strength of every player um, in each game. Yeah, it depends who you're playing and who you're playing against. It's just um, it makes you think all the time. Do you care yeah. about numbers? Because it's it's like when the game develops, uh, develops um, the women's game. I mean, fans are a lot about numbers, uh, and numbers mm. to fans are like assists or goals because they're easy to, mm. you know. Yeah. Uh, but you as a player, do you care about numbers? And if you do, what what numbers do you? like to look at i'm not so really focused on the numbers after the game in a way i know if i i know if i i know exactly what kind of pass i made and what duels i um i lost or i won more like i always look at my game and i see what the things i did bad in a way um and that overshadows sometimes the things i do good because i just want more all the time um but it's always interesting like as a midfielder to see like the you know the accurate passes you make um the duels yeah you win and something that's really important in a in a midfielder position you know uh and you want you want to get you know you want to you want to get a score over 80 in your passes for sure And if I get a lower score than that, I also know that I don't have to look at the numbers. I just know that I remember all the time the the bad passes I made or I I didn't win many duels. Then I, I just know that I have a bad game, mm. you know. But I'm not so fo- I'm not so focused on numbers because yeah, I'm really self aware of my game 
to be honest. But I think it's also it's interesting to look at though. If you're not if you're in doubt, if you're a little bit in doubt, because sometimes you feel like you just did a shitty game, but in a way the numbers said you didn't, then it's always good to look at the numbers, you know. Yeah, to grow the confidence back again. I mean Yeah. I'm gonna give you the the chance now to tell the ones that listens to this podcast if they don't have their own nation participating in the Euros, why should they come to England this summer to watch Iceland play football? Uh, they should come and watch Iceland because it's, you know, if you want to be in a good atmosphere and if you want to be in a in a real crowd with real fans um, before the game, uh, in the game and after the game, you just want to just put on a blue jersey and just join you know the Icelandic crew because you're gonna how it doesn't matter how the game is gonna go you're gonna have a good time that's for sure yeah can you can you promise them the volcano a volcano like the one that they did like during like uh, the that who? went viral yeah I, yeah that's maybe yeah. what it's called oh it's called volcano I just didn't know that yeah but the who yeah yeah of course I'll promise that and much more So I'm going to put you on the spot here now. Uh, what team will win the Euros 2022 and why? What team will win the Euros? It would be quite amazing if Iceland will win the Euros. But let's go with the favorite ones. Um, who are the favorite ones? That's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's not as obvious it was before, you know, because I think a lot of nations are strong today. It will be cool if England, you know, would... You know, would win, but wow, it's it's actually a hard card. I have I have in my mind, I have England, I have you know Germany, Holland, and France. But you know, in some in some way, France they they can't get out of the semifinals. You know, and they I don't know how long it was when they won something, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say England. <laughs> of course, I think. I think Sweden is, you know, it's always when they are on a run, like the in the Olympics, you know, in a way, I don't, I feel like nothing can really stop them. I think they always went, they have so many good players and uh, top players and the squad is really good. And when they are on a run, they could go far also. When Sweden uh, did launch their new shirt for the Euros this summer, they also Uh, launched uh, a guide to uh, that that is called how to stop sweden uh, and it's mm-hmm. like a 30 pages long guide uh, from the swedish match analysis anders eriksson mm-hmm. uh, that will provide every opponent that will play sweden this summer uh, yeah it, it's actually how how to stop sweden uh, mm-hmm. how what what do you think about a concept like that before a big tournament? It sounds really uh, weird in a way. Uh, I think they should just focus on something else, to be <laughs> honest. Um, I don't I don't think many teams are going to look at that guide. Just probably look at their past games, try to stop them in that way and try to find their weaknesses. But it, it sounds weird to focus or put energy in that, to be honest. Yeah, I, for, to me, I, I feel like it's kind of not Swedish uh, because it's kind of... Complicated. No, it's really not Swedish. You know, I was playing in Sweden for five and a half years and I was, 
I'm surprised that they would even do that. But they they're quite confident of the Olympics. You know, they can be, but maybe that's you know they're going a little bit far. <laughs> well, they're taking it too far. Yeah. Is there a we'll difference? See. Is there a difference between confidence and arrogance? Exactly. Uh, so let's go into section three. Questions from listeners. First, it's from uh, a guy called Abdullah Abdullah. Do you see? Do you see yourself more as a number six or a boxed box number eight? Box to box number eight. He also wants to know uh, from training under Bon Pastor, what elements of her playing style do you think suit you the most and are tactically interesting to you? Playing as a, we play with one holding six and two eights, so. Playing as eight with one of the three midfielders, I think that would suit me the best. But this one's from Carmen. She wants to know: Are you still in contact with the five, the the Fab Six? Yes, I am. Um, I'm still in contact, but it's been a little bit less recently because just having having a kid makes you go less on social media or have calls. And but um, I need to. Yeah, I think there's a time probably for a video call with the whole Fab Six as soon as possible because we need to catch up on each other. And for those who don't know, who is the Fab Six? The Fab Six is me, um, Penel Harder, Caroline Hansen, uh, playing Barcelona, Ella Massar, Peter Babette, and Mary Herbs. There you have it. And Carmen also wants to know, were you confronted with any problems after coming back to the pitch after having your baby? No, nothing after my pregnancy. Nothing that, uh, nothing stopped me coming back uh, because of my pregnancy. Uh, it was mainly, I pulled a muscle in my calf, which was something that I, you know, I expected the setback. Um, but this is something if you've been out for a long time you know you just have to you have to build the muscle again you are under a lot of stress and a load uh, it's different just you know pulling some weights or running football is just different when you start training there's a um, there's a lot more a lot more stress on the muscles and the joints and and that was mainly the reason when i i got a little setback but feeling good now and nothing regarding the i think people think that You know, it's always like, a, how's your body after the pregnancy? It takes a long time. It's, I, I don't feel any, like, nothing should stop you coming back because you were pregnant, to be honest. Uh, it's going to take, uh, it's individual how, it how long it takes. Uh, and it's also different how, if you were able to train during your pregnancy, um, how, how the birth went and after pregnancy, how fast is your body to recover, but... You know, some maybe would take, I I had four months coming back. Some will take maybe, three, I, I know a woman who, I know a girl who take three months, um, eight months. You know, it's just different, but nothing should stop you coming back or to stop your career, to be honest. I mean, that's, that's interesting as well. Do you think, uh, I have to ask one question all about this. Do you think uh, it's about resources and condition? Uh, in the club you're at at the moment as well do you think that can mm. play a part for other players you mean the knowledge of just uh... yeah I mean the knowledge the the I mean the personnel you have like physios and 
Mm-hmm. But I, I yeah, was... I mean, I mean, football like we don't have any. I mean, when I came back there, we don't have a physio who specializes in pregnant women. You know, we you have that. You could have that on the side, but they are specialized in in team sports. You know, in football, and I understand that. But you know, when it's today, it's and will be in the future. It's going to be more norm that women will carry a child during their career and they will come back. And that's something clubs need to reconsider that they need to get the knowledge, um, that they don't know any everything, that they need to seek it out somehow. They, you know, like, for example, my strength coach in, 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 um, in Leon, you know, he, he just, you know, you could easily have a coach saying like, no, I know everything. I know what's best for you. But he, he talked to a player who came back. He talked to a physio who specialized in, preg- in you know, pregnant women coming back and, you know, got the knowledge what's important for Sarah, how to train and um, how not to train. And that's really important that you put down your pride a little bit and that you seek help because it is, it, it, it is new to them. Um, but I think just, you know, clubs needs to be, they need to be aware of that. They that that could happen, and they need to seek help or um, support for a knowledge for themselves and for the player. Yeah, for sure. It's it's like with everything. Uh, actually, I was in Barcelona for the sport sports congress uh, back in November, mm-hmm. and then Carolina Graham Hansen was there to to speak, and then she actually spoke about the fact that even with injuries. Uh, most of the the research about injuries in football are uh, about men and from men so it's interesting yeah okay so like yeah. with ACL injuries uh, you 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 pick up the the research from from men with yeah. ACL injuries yeah. and how to treat them in women so mm-hmm. it's just interesting i think we're going to see a lot yeah. more of research on women yeah But, Let's move on then to ground underscore D from Instagram. After being rivals in Sweden, how was it to play with Pernille Harder in Wolfsburg? Just happy to, happy that she joined the same team, to be honest. Um, I think also her development has been... I mean, for me, she's you know the best, best player out there today. Um, she just like has everything. You know, she has the speed. She has the technique. She, she, um, she has like her thinking of football, um, and she loves speaking about football and tactics and everything. Sometimes just too much. So I just want to speak about something else. We are good friends, and so often we meet up, and she would all the time speak about tactics or you know watching her numbers. You know, it's um, it's funny, but she. And finishing with left and right and header, she's like the complete player, you know, for me. And to be have her, to have her in the team is just obviously she she's hardworking also, but she's also X factor for the team. She can finish the game game on her own. Um, so yeah, I have to say it's better to have her in your team. Ericsson underscore harder on Instagram wants to know what would you say to young female players who want to go pro but also have a family someday. Just say it. You know, it's possible. I mean, obviously, I think now and more in the future, uh, you know, women, they're becoming more visible. Like, pe- girls are seeing 
or women are seeing other women doing it. And that's really important. You know, that obviously for me, I, I, I'm inspired by my teammates in the national team because they, we have like seven mothers in the team. So I knew, I know that I could come back, but there's maybe a lot of women, a lot of girls who have doubts that they can play and have a family at the same time because it's not really, it's not, it hasn't the clubs or, uh, or the environment has it, haven't make it, made it a, like a normal thing. So the more visual, visible it is for other female athletes to see that, the better is for them to know that, okay, it, it's possible. And I was just say like, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's the best feeling in the world also to, to be able to do what you love, but also coming home and you have a family, you know, it just takes your mind off a bad training or a bad game. It's just like you could come home and you see your child smile and uh, it's just the best. It, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult to puzzle everything together, but it's possible. Last last section, this or that goes really quick, not even more than two minutes. So you get two choices, you choose one. Uh, assist a teammate or score one yourself? Score myself. Dribble your way out of pressure or playing out with perfect one-touch passes together with a teammate? Uh, passes. Coming on from the bench to make a true impact to get the win or starting in a mediocre game that ends in a draw or loss? <laughs> starting. Uh, causing a tactical foul for the opponent or taking one yourself for the team to stop a counterattack? Stop a counterattack. A good slight tackle or intercepting a pass that is about to break the lines? Uh, break the line. Bada bing, bada boom. We're done. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for, for being on. We really enjoyed having you on here, even though there was a lot of technical issues with all of us. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was, no, it was a really no fun recording, and we hope you enjoyed it. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.